to South of Hollywood. I'm your girl, Freedom. Tenacity, that DJ, and it's April. Gosh. No, time is flying. It's I tax season. Oh my gosh. Yeah, tax season, pollen season. Hope you got your Benadryl if you need it. It's going down. Yeah. Oh, well, we got plenty to cover. A lot has happened in a very short amount of time. I know. I yeah. can't believe it. Um, we kind of started this month out on a sad note with the death of our South Side uh, Central, South Central hero, Nipsey Hussle. So. Rest in peace, bro. Um, we'll talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just a lot of new stuff coming up, a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, so we just wanted to share that with you as well. So here's our South of Hollywood radar. Yo, so if you woke up like me this morning, you were already ready for Guava Island. Oh my god, have you heard about Isn't this? Isn't it so cute? It's super cute. Yeah. It's like a little musical rom-com yeah. starring Donald Glover, Childish Gambino to some of you, and uh, Rihanna. Um, it's just, what's the log like? A tropical thriller that casts Donald Glover as a musician with designs on pulling off a scheme to rob his way into the good life, which quickly gets him in over his head. <laughs> so I can't wait. That's on Amazon Prime, so I check. check out the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. perfection. I can do it when no one is listening. Well, the part you didn't run was beautiful. It's funny. That's what my other girlfriend say. I was joking. I was joking. Okay, so yeah, I know that came out yesterday, so I'm ready to, like, see the whole thing. Yeah. You know, um, I... The fact that Rihanna acts at all, I love it whenever she acts. It's just it's just amazing. Anything that Rihanna does, of course, but, you know, needless to say. And she's looking pretty real right here. Looking pretty raw, pretty down to earth, pretty natural, so I'm, I'm loving it. I'm curious to see more about Letitia Wright's role in it as well, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that just came out. Yeah. We'll be checking that out. Um, you know, Netflix, you know, is always gracious to us here. Uh, and as we seek to get endorsed by Netflix by our constant mentioning of them, uh, we just want to also initiate this beehive action with Homecoming coming out on April 17th. Go ahead. and I can't wait. Yeah. Literally can't wait. I mean, yeah. she probably made HBO pretty penny with her, um, her visual album, so I can't imagine they're too happy about that, but... I'm happy that she's spreading out the love because it's kind of hard to get your hand on HBO nowadays. So <laughs> thank you for going to Netflix, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's go ahead and watch this trailer. What I really want to do is be a representative of my race, of the human race. 
I have a chance to show how kind we can be, how intelligent and generous we can be. I have a chance to, to teach and, and to love and to laugh. And I know that when I finish doing what I'm sent here to do, I will be called home. And I will go home without any fear, uh, trepidation some, wondering what's going to happen. But. And what advice would you have to give this generation? Tell the truth to yourself first and to the children. never been to Coachella. Me either. And, and I just passed Coachella like I was on my way back to LA and it's it was just the setup is insane. You just see a whole town just full and ready to go. We so, have to go next year. Yeah. I am really, yeah. really excited about it. Even if we're just out there driving people around, I do not care. Like, I want to go to Coachella. Yeah. I didn't realize um, how historic um, you know, being in a ho- Coachella headline was until Beyonce made that headline. Like, I know about the Tupac hologram and, you know, that, you know, like Coachella's about music festival innovation. And mm-hmm. I think documenting that, okay, uh, mm-hmm. Beyonce making history and making a cultural movement honoring HBCUs mm-hmm. and then uh, starting up the Homecoming, uh, sorry, starting up the Homecoming Scholars Foundation mm-hmm. was really important. Uh, you know, to the benefit of so many people beyond just the performance itself and and those two weekends last Mm -hmm. year. So, um, you know, shout out to Beyonce, shout out to, you know, Black Impact and Giving Back. I think Mm -hmm. that's what uh, really is the highlight of this documentary. So something else that actually just premiered, I think season two, episode one premiered last week. So depending on when you hear this, you might be a couple episodes in. But The Shy, this is yes. an amazing project by one of our filmmakers that we're going to talk about today, uh, Lena Waithe. And um, I actually heard about The Shy a few years ago, because I used to live in Chicago. And a friend of mine, um, who's an actor, Corey Hendricks, was, um, who knows Lena as well as Common, was talking to them about being a part of their pilot a few years ago. And he actually did make it into season one. I don't know if he's in season two, but shout out to Chicago and Corey. <laughs> woo woo. Um, so I've been hearing about, she worked on this project for a while before she actually got um, picked up by Showtime. So it's on Showtime. The first season was amazing. They're back with the second season. And it's, I think it's actually better. It looks better than the first season. So I can't wait to see how it turns out. The, the stories, the twists and triumphs, the drama, all that good stuff. So let's check it out. You gotta get me out of here. Ronnie Davis is reneging on his plea. Do you know what it means if this confession doesn't stick? I need you to fix it. I'm not gonna be no snitch. One step forward, two steps back. It's my life. You ever need anything? Give me a call. Can I tell you about the business dude who's interested in the truck? Oldest Perry. He is shady as a $3 bill. 
How you got three baby mamas with no place to stay? I've done everything I'm supposed to do. You pay one month of child support. That don't make you daddy of the year. You are not being challenged here. I ain't trying to be nobody's seller. Southside ain't going nowhere. You gotta do what's right for you. You can't keep running from your problems. We're gonna make it right. We got a problem. Soldier up, Reg. One thing about Chicago when I was living there, it was just always something. You always got to be prepared. I would say one thing about The Shy that the show highlights is that it's a great place to learn how to be independent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't know if anybody going to help your ass, though. You know? <laughs> well, I think what I really like about the show, um, and, and full disclosure, I haven't watched the full uh, first season, but what I liked really a lot about it was just the way these stories are interconnected and it kind of starts off with the tragedy but it's all about how that tragedy impacts everybody and kind of ripples outward and i just thought that was a really good way to to talk about chicago um i love shameless it's one of my favorite tv shows and it's also on showtime and you know it's a perspective of chicago where basically everyday occurrences become big dramatic problems sort of thing so that's the approach they take. It's just everyday stuff, but it's crazy. You know, this is the idea that um, what happens one day impacts every other day. And I think as African Americans, especially, you know, when you are living in the hood and when you get into that point in your struggle where things are really kind of difficult and you don't necessarily always see a way out, you feel the weight of that. You feel the weight of day after day after day after day. And that's something I think, uh, you really feel in an urban city like Chicago, like, because what happened yesterday or who you fuck with yesterday or who you used to be friends with, like, it, it becomes a big deal in your everyday life. It's not like you just get to wake up and go to work and then something crazy happens. No, sometimes you can't do things or, you know, you got to do something that you wouldn't normally do because what happened yesterday. So I just really like that kind of approach to the storytelling. Now we got to get into the state of Mary Jane. <laughs> Something very interesting that I didn't even realize um, about Proposition 64 as we start seeing the long-term effects as Californians is the impact that it has on Native Americans and uh, tribes that hold reservations in California. Uh, This is actually pretty alarming. You know, what we're talking about is that basically Native Americans who are on reservations and who are part of sovereign nation tribes are being shut out of being able to participate in the larger industry in California and and beyond. Proposition 64, Gavin Newsom, the state of California, will only accept these nations if they waive their right to sovereignty. Which is not the idea that we should be going for having people give up their sovereign freedom after they've been exploited for centuries you know in order to just sell marijuana really this this specific caveat has was included in the final version of proposition 64 and i don't think that most of any of us mm-hmm. really had an awareness or 
or knew how this would be harmful mm-hmm. to such an oppressed group of people. And so it really just, uh, and it's just personal, you know, personally, I just feel disgusted. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, like, it, I think for, like, with me and, you know, how I purchase weed, it makes me think about, okay, like, how, how am I going to be purchasing weed in the, in the future? Mm-hmm. Because this has brought up a complex situation of, mm-hmm. of convenience, making things more convenient, you know, for the greater parts. But it, it, this is, you know, beyond harmful because there's, there's a, a perception that Native American tribes, when you think of casinos. Right okay, well, they can have these casinos. They're all right because they they have this business going for them. You know, mm-hmm. gaming industry, and it's been regulated and partnered with the U.S. government and state governments for so long where it seems like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, it works out. So there's, I think there's just, just this inherent thought that, you know, Native Americans will be okay or they can run right. their own thing, but right. we don't recognize how you know to this day how our laws within the u.s are so harmful to this Mm -hmm. day and it's and it's a myth by the way that oh well you know uh tribes that partake in gaming are fine they can lucrative there were Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. several failing casinos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know across the nation and one and and one uh, failing casino um is part of the uh the ipe tribe that's Mm -hmm. part of the the uh the cannabis association you know mm-hmm. native american cannabis association mm-hmm. that's pushing they're taking the lead on on making sure that uh you know there's attention but there's change um right. so yeah uh i mean yeah Newsom, he's done some good things that i agree with already but i'm definitely concerned about this because i feel like one you know we we should never have to give up and I say this ironically, knowing that I am a U.S. American citizen, but we should never have to give up our sovereignty just to be a part of the commercial or capitalist endeavors. Like, that's that's literally slavery. You're exchanging your freedom for money. So we shouldn't ever encourage that in any form that it presents itself. But I definitely think that, um, you know, the state has, has an interest in making sure that they are properly compensated or that they receive some benefit from um, being able to, you know, legally sell and buy and purchase marijuana. So I, I understand the the state's position that they would want them to become incorporated into California, basically, like that they would basically be regular California citizens. Um, but yeah, I just don't know if weed is enough for that. Like, I think if that is the case, then they are full-fledged citizens and then they become entitled to all things that our American citizenship entitles them to, um, which I personally don't think is a bad thing, but I do understand, like, why they want to maintain their sovereignty. So I don't think that's something that they should be giving up just to sell marijuana, you know? Yeah, and I mean, they... Native Americans, you know, that are on the reservations, they, they still have those, those rights, you know, as Americans, but as a, as a how do we govern, how do we create an economy for ourselves? Yeah. That's what makes a, it a challenge, you know, um, and this is not the only way, you know, uh, the way that California has decided to uh, address the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other 
sovereign nation tribes mm -hmm. in other states State, yeah. in Washington, Oregon, and Nevada that have actually passed bills to allow negotiation, you know, compacts with the state mm -hmm. and let them regulate and, you know, cannabis aspirations. It's a discussion, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's more... It's a, it's a negotiation right. to figure out the right way mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so and it, and it operates much like how the gaming negotiations are. So, you know, um, one article states that uh, the tribes typically agree to meet or exceed, you know, state safety standards and charge taxes equal to the state on outside sales so they don't have an unfair price advantage over non-tribal competitors but that's what i would be looking for i'd be going to the reservation right. for the cheap weave <laughs> right you know um but but those tribes it's most importantly like they can get that done those tribes don't have to waive their rights to self-governance right and they get to keep the tax revenue you know their part that they generate to reinvest in their communities so there are states that are able to have growth in the cannabis industry for Native Americans mm -hmm. without further oppressing them or taking away their rights to self-governance. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really important in Native American culture is thinking about how it's going to impact the future. Um, which kind of brings me to like something else we've been talking about uh, on the show, you know, good dispensaries, places to get weed. But some dispensaries you might not know about are from celebrity artists hip-hop rappers things like that rapper weed rapper weed uh you know there's they don't have the rap snacks for nothing there's also rap weed so <laughs> i've been wanting to try those like they had the migo chips and oh everything God, yeah it's, it's i've been trying to find those i'm on the hunt y'all can send us some yeah, samples tell us where the rap snacks yeah are. rap snacks know. in the hood south Central. let us know let us know yeah. um but yeah so like some like one of the first people that comes to my mind is like Snoop Dogg. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he was the first rapper to have a, tr a strand, but he's definitely been one of the longest standing rappers with a strand. And so like when you think about weed, you just think about like Snoop Dogg, like Kush OG, like mm -hmm. that's what I just think. Like he just always was smoking weed. And then a few years ago, they actually came out with their own strand or patent. Right, yeah. Brand. I've tried uh, Snoop Dogg OG. I've tried that before. It was really decent, high. I was, yeah, I was. I enjoyed the rest of my day. <laughs> yeah. That was a good day. I feel like yeah. Snoop know some good. Some yeah, good so, and I say decent enthusiastically. I'm not, you know, to say no Snoop Dogg. But uh, my favorite is the Wiz Khalifa OG. Mm -hmm. Khalifa I don't think OG. I've ever tried oh, Wiz Khalifa OG. I, I love it. That. And, um... Uh, you know, as a flower, as a cart, uh, you know, those pure vape cartridges, those Khalifa OGs are it's just amazing. So uh, shout out to Wiz Khalifa. Like your grower is top up there. Yeah, top Khalifa notch. sounds yeah. like the name of a, a weed plant. So like you just like that's real weed, Khalifa. Like, <laughs> you just know you're going to get some good stuff. Uh, I have to. I one day I remember like almost like 10 years ago, I remember searching up like, what does Wiz Khalifa's name mean? And mm -hmm. I. I forgot and you're probably you're probably onto something yeah but, you know, something but uh i mean yeah there are several rappers that are out there with you know strains moon rocks was you know the trend you mm -hmm. know corrupt 2018 brand, trend right for sure. oh yeah. gosh like i mean and it hits like i will take a pre-roll i will take nugs like I would get free moon rocks and just collect them you know you know from going to my dispensaries and everything because i when it hit, it was just everybody wanted it. So all the dispensaries had to have it. 
but there's nothing like corrupts moon rocks. There's a lot of house moon rocks now. Yeah, yeah, because like, you can make them yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, um, if if you know, it's like um, you know, Girl Scout cookies and, and then has a wax blend on it you know for those who are not aware like what makes it different so it's a it's a mix of flour and concentrated weed and when you have it it's just it's just made it and then some people yeah. roll it around in the, in yes. the heat or whatever yes so serious uh-huh. business yes okay. um oh, and you gotta shout out to uh be real so uh, from cypress hill you know that uh tangy og mm. oh, that was nice man you tried all the good stuff i need to try these if anybody has samples please send them to me um, sales at South of Hollywood you know, podcast. <laughs> so we, um, but something that's just uh, I just saw in the newspaper, like it's coming up, um, is actually Notorious B.I.G. son C- C.J. Yeah. is actually starting a, a brand just to um, highlight his father's contribution to the hip hop as well as marijuana game. So he's starting a high end luxury brand um, called Frank White and the Frank Wright Creative Blends. And you can get pre-rolls, you've got like orange sherbet, what is this, banjo? Yeah, it's a custom blend, yeah. Just super high-end strains. Um, And you can actually get them in LA at Rose Collectors. I don't know if you know Rose Collectors in Venice Beach, guys, it's fucking awesome. Or maybe Santa Monica, one of those two. Um, But shout out to Rose Collectors this time, so check them out for the the Frank Wright blend. Yeah. $40 $40 pre-roll joint. Get that, though. I mean, like, I those... Mean, if you bought it, Right, you if you got out, it and you know? did a good day on the beach, you know, try it out. Let us know and everything. Uh, yeah, if you got friends yeah. visiting from, like, somewhere where you can get wheat, perfect time to take Yeah. Them. Check out this Frank White blend. Notorious mm-hmm. B.I.G. Official to L.A. <laughs> Come on. You can't go wrong. Uh, and the greatest part about it, I think, is that the proceeds are going to go out to, to the uh, California Prison Arts Project. Yeah, I think that's really great that his son, you know, he talks about even though he grew up around weed and he's been around weed his whole life, that he just really wanted to elevate um, the industry and show that black people were a part of the industry and that they could actually do some good with it. So <laughs> speaking on that, yeah. too, our, our uh, South Central hero also had his own strand. So just in case you didn't know, Nipsey Hussle was tragically killed on March 31st. Um, so we in South Central, we have just been celebrating his life, but also mourning his tragic and timely death. And people have been posting videos all week. I honestly, I can't even watch them. They're just so sad to, to think about. But um, one of the videos I caught about his was about his Marathon OG Strand and the official Nipsey Hustle brand. So um, if you guys are interested in supporting um, Nipsey Hustle and the Marathon OG brand in any way, you can actually purchase um, your own uh, official, um, I think it's seven grams for $120. And it's at the um, Cure, Cure Company. Company. So that's actually on 7th Ave, I believe, downtown. So you should totally check it out. It's um, amazing. Um, you can see the video on our Facebook page about the strand and the process and everything behind the scenes that went into making it. So hopefully you guys check that out, the Nipsey Hussle brand. I bet it's about to skyrocket. So if you know where to get it, you know what I'm saying, get your hands on some of that. Mm-hmm. I have been trying to just get my hand on Marathon merchandise. I was wondering, and like, are they even open? Is the store even open? No. Uh, well, you know, T.I. and them bought it out, That's like, the I day heard. before. I don't think they give all that shit away, too. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a celebration. But, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been trying to, you know, cop my stuff. 
and it was Yo, funny. You can't even order online. It's like mad hard to order. Yeah. So right now, all those uh, marathon gear. I know we, we all want to support. I've been, you know, mm-hmm. trying to support. I, I got mad when I had. Um, when I had my Crenshaw hat and I lost it after I traveled and everything. Oh so, you know, um, definitely an interesting time in South Central. We'll be back and we'll talk more about it. Right. Hey, do you want us to try your great cannabis product? Go ahead and email sales at southofhollywoodpodcast.com. You can also reach out to us on social media, SOH Podcast Official on Instagram, SOH The Podcast on Twitter, or the plain old South of Hollywood page on Facebook. All right, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you so much and remember to follow us on southofhollywoodpodcast.com so we are back and there's no way we can talk about hot topic or what's hot without talking about Nipsey Hussle I mean this has been such a devastating event for everyone in South Central Um, having lived really close to the area you know just a few months ago it is just unbelievable and sad and tragic um, that he was murdered in such a way publicly on Sunday, March 31st. So what are some of your thoughts and experiences? How have you been dealing with or processing, you know, this tragedy? Well, as far as how his music has impacted me, uh, he... And his collaborations, his are very deliberate. His songs are very deliberate. He's very outspoken. He's very you understand what he's saying, and his imagery is very direct. Um, one of my favorite collaborations is with him and Dime Kennedy. Um, you know, get home safely. And that song I listened to. I've listened to thousands of times. So just having that experience with just that like I have that musical connection so as a, as a fan definitely I am at a loss I do feel very um I at, at a shock on on that level as a fan and that music music wise mm-hmm. you know um there there definitely be posthumous you yeah, know, there will be releases, music work, of I'm course. Sure, and yeah. he was he was in the middle of so many things. I mean, just days before he was collaborating with you know John Legend with Higher and mm-hmm. making that music video, and and so you know I haven't seen that yet. When I do see that, I know, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's, it's very telling, very telling mm-hmm. as as a fan. Now, um, also as you know, fan, but extending to as a member of community who wants to support and um when marathon opened june 17 2017 i was at the grand opening it was right on slaws and crenshaw shut down and very i felt love i felt like mm-hmm. it was very welcoming for me being from milwaukee you know being from the midwest i did feel welcomed by nipsey mm-hmm. as a community member being a part of south central Everyone, when I interacted with them, much like how it was, you know, when I was there uh, at Marathon for the Memorial, you know, is is 
everyone is recognizing, saying Heidi, respect, mm -hmm. you know, sisterly, like this, the, the energy of like black love mm -hmm. and unity, like being amongst that, mm -hmm. uh, what was, was, I, it's priceless to me. And I, and I knew it was something at, at the time when I went to the opening that I, I couldn't miss. There, there was something telling me that intuition. Also, when I was there, you know, seeing that, but also having a sense of concern for him. Mm -hmm. That was him. so great. So great. And, 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 and so my intuition also, you know, feels really strongly for just for the, the coming forth. Mm -hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah. um, I, I yeah. felt that I felt that also. Ermius right. Joseph Ashkedem. Ashkedem. Yeah. yeah. So I I never met him like personally or got to have a conversation with him. But I was saying to a friend, you know, I I just really always thought I would get to meet him. Um, I worked for You Heard magazine. I worked in hip hop journalism for Ninety Nine Problems. Um, you know, I worked with Biko and. Jeff, DJ Willie Shakes, like I just always worked around music and hip hop and activism. So for me, um, it's very natural that hip hop would have that element, you know, that it goes without saying that, you know, the first element is knowledge, you know, and that through all this, through knowledge comes all these other ways to interact with it. So him being um, in the hip hop tradition, also being not even just an activist, but an advocate, but a person who's actually making things happen, you know, made perfect sense to me. So I always supported him, even though I was never, you know, a, an adamant buyer of his music because he was also still trying to appeal to the youth with the trap style. And, you know, he was definitely hardcore rap gangbang rapper. But, you know, I grew up with Tupac, so for me, I just I just came to understand that all rappers are ultimately acting. So even though they might have a background in gangbanging, by virtue of them deciding to become, you know, an artist and dedicating their time and having discipline to get an album out, and then in his case, going further with that and making an investment in his community, I knew the brother to be working. You know, I knew him to be a hardworking person. And um, I think I walked in the store one time just on some like, oh, looking for something. And he was in there folding. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up, Nip? You know, it was like, oh, that's Nip. Like, I didn't even, and I never met him. I just seen him all the time. So I was like, oh, that's Nip. Okay, peace, brother. Like, I never thought about it. And, um, and now I so wish I would have gotten a chance to talk to him because I just knew one day I would get a chance to talk to him. Right. I just knew we would get a chance to right. connect or work together or something. Nip, Nip to me represents accessibility, mm -hmm. you know, and and being fearless, you know, ultimately because of the the uh, I don't know, con I don't know how you like constant black discussion on what do you do when you are of means, mm -hmm. you know, how do yes. you how do you live your life, you mm -hmm. know, and then specifically as being a famous person, how do you you know, handle that and what do you do with that? What's your responsibility? You know, and, and it, it was nothing that he, it was nothing of him trying to prove a point. It was him being who he was, mm -hmm. naturally. Mm -hmm. And 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 that, and that being, and him being of means and being able to exude that, that was just, 
him showing like ultimately anybody can really do this. Do this. Anybody can really do this. Yes. Uh, so I I'm so yeah. this is what makes yeah. it so hard. This is what makes it so tragic and devastating. And I know a lot of people outside of South Central, especially right away, were you know adamant with the conspiracy theories. And when I heard the story instantly, because I heard it that afternoon, it was my birthday, so I was just celebrating, and then I hear it that afternoon from my friend in Inglewood. You know, it was like hearing your brother had got shot. Like, it, it was like somebody I knew had just been taken away from me. I'm like, I just seen this nigga billboards on, the, on Crenshaw last right. couple of months ago. What you mean he got shot? But what you allude to at the marathon opening is something that I think is what I felt when I saw the billboards for his nomination, for the Grammy nomination. I remember thinking, man, you know, because he's here, he's so close, he's so embedded, you know, this is his block, literally. People always be like, oh, you know the shop right there? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dang, I know. You know, like, I just was always afraid for him, too. And, and something about it always made me nervous. Like, okay, people going to be hating because this brother is really doing good. He's, like, not even just a rapper. He's right. really making moves. Right. But here's the thing. Like, one thing I'll say about just South Central, though, you know, and, I mean, L.A. being a larger city and, and the crime rate, you know, is generally higher. But... I there's nowhere that I really go in South Central where I have uh, a grave feeling of danger for my right. safety. Right. Exactly. Like there's 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 a sense of community here mm-hmm. that is is of a certain strength mm-hmm. where where you know my awareness of life can be unexpected. You know, mm-hmm. it's there, but it, it the my environment i have i have a good judgment of like where what what things are going on like you you get to know certain people's struggles when you do see certain like things like the homelessness the the panhandling like these things do exist but just but people acknowledging other people Mm -hmm. i think goes a long way um and i think yeah i think it's even like you said within the community i feel like even where people think something's not safe, I've never really had a problem in that neighborhood either, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is probably as deep as it gets, you know, or where I used to live, 57th and Van Ness, like, that's in the heart of it, Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're... And I yeah. definitely was a victim of several crimes. <laughs> right. But, but I felt safe. Right. I always felt safe. And that's, so that was the first thing, you know, this wasn't random. Um, but I, I, I'm not yet convinced it was a conspiracy theory. You know, I, yeah. I understand that it may be something deeper than what it, it appears on the surface, but I'm not re- yet ready to just turn it all over to a conspiracy theory. It, it was the I mean, the connections were were definitely made quick because of, you know, him, his outright, you know, determination to continue where, you know, in a sense from where left eye had uh you know left off um due to her death you know in honduras in 2002 Mm -hmm. so uh you know that it the connection was easy to make and 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 that's like why i get what you're saying i understand why it was so easy to make and and you know, ultimately, only time will tell. Right. You exactly. know, and, Who's and that's really true. Right. Say. You know, and, and just uh, 
to see how you know we have that effect going on of like okay people are thinking though like people like his passing um there's a term i guess in in buddhism and mm-hmm. called nirvana mm-hmm. you know entering nirvana is as an expedient means mm-hmm. to help people learn mm-hmm. and and seek what's best for you know for them and so that that is with any death is always going to coincide so when people are learning about nipsey they're learning you know through his lyrics which you know as he grew he his lyrics changed oh i'm talking about taxes mm-hmm. i'm talking about enterprise i'm talking about these things and i'm talking about them in a in, in a certain detail mm-hmm. you know where it's like yeah you are you're for that that's an education mm-hmm. you know he's he's passed he's down a, a, he's a, passing right. the baton right he said. right and, 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 you know, to that, to the speaking of the afterlife, which we should chant for him, too. Look, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's important the way that his life was celebrated. And I just want to give a shout out to South Central for that, because we made him news. We we made sure that his narrative was not be commandeered as just a rapper who got shot or a drug deal gone bad. We made sure instantly via social media that people who knew him around the country instantly spoke out and say, no, this wouldn't, this Nipsey is not a bad person. This could not happen to such a person. And, and people in LA shouting out, no, he was our hero. We loved him. We care for him. We're devastated. We're hurt. This is a loss. This is a valuable person. By those voices coming together, we elevated his name, his life, his work. And even his struggles, even the things that weren't right or perfect about him or the the trauma that his family had experienced, all of that has been elevated and made public and and been used as a lesson in a way for other people, an example for other people to learn from. And so for that, in a way, I'm definitely grateful. Um, And I do also, you know, again, want to shout out his family and, you know, just let them know that we are chanting for them yeah. and, and for his peaceful transition into the afterlife. Yeah. I mean, the whole day, April 11th, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, just like his birthday, there should mm-hmm. just be commemoration everywhere. I'm so mm-hmm. excited that his legacy is being so readily honored in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, Ermish, Ashgadam Square. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... I tried to get tickets I did for <laughs> the Staples Center, mm-hmm. and, and so um, shout out to you people who are scalpers. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't. I don't know how like y'all that, did it, but yeah, bro, the ticket was gone. I bro. was online at ten o two. Bro, y'all did it. Y'all got bots. Y'all got y'all got us beat. Something. Yeah, yeah. But you that know? the stadium was full. Yeah, you know, it was full. And I also yeah. really want to say I appreciated the the procession. Because he decided to take them, you know, really through South Central. And then the heart of South Central really is Slauson and Crenshaw. So for them to go um, around the area. And then I live now on Vermont and Century. And they came right here. And, you know, that's just beautiful. Because I saw these white journalists who probably ain't never been over here. Sit their asses up right over in in that corner store and wait for his procession all day like just like we had to wait all day and and that's yes put them there let them see the neighborhood let them see people let them interact with people let them see the love let them see all the people flood the street Mm -hmm. with devotion and understand who he was 
and who he will be and who he is to us, you know? So I I definitely felt that. It was the, the amount of intricate black unity. When I say this, like from, from Staples Center and, and just how the ceremony was held, Nation of Islam, you know, from the helicopters, since I was on Slaws and Crenshaw, and I saw some of the videos, I tried pulling up the videos of the helicopter that was following on the 25 mile trek, and it didn't have any audio, I'll probably, you know, mm-hmm. it's a helicopter, and it mm-hmm. made sense. But uh, being there in person to hear and to see the Nation of Islam, like really working throughout a 25 mile trek mm-hmm. to secure you know, you know and, 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 and encourage people and, and like send love and have peace and and then representation like of all Faith. black thought all mm-hmm. black you know faiths thoughts mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, economic and, backgrounds yeah. you know to yeah. have Snoop Dogg up there right along with his mother who is clearly just a regular lady but she's amazing I mean an amazing mother right. but a regular woman right. and then even his father and you know again to pay respects to the fact that he was African you know he was truly African American and I think there's a really deep dynamic happening there with his right. identity that we, we haven't really touched on We it's just, it might be too raw for us to really get into but yes he was an African and I think a lot of the whole ability to even rap uh, into into to to be hard the game bang sort of thing, all of that came from a need to be accepted, a need to be assimilated or integrated as a way to survive, a, a necessity to survive. Clearly, he had ambitions beyond being a thug, right? Clearly, he showed us that not only him, but I'm sure many of his peers also had other ambitions. But he at least had examples and an understanding and knowledge itself. So he was able to kind of, you know, turn that into something. But I look, you know, look at his brother who was also extra hood. His brother is super ghetto. We needed that. And well, I we needed and to here's see the that thing. dynamic identity. Yeah. I, I all the networks that aired it paid the fines. Paid the fines. I'm pretty sure FCC was getting all they money. All the money. Cause it was fucks, bitches, shits, nan niggas, niggas. all over the news. Right. They right. was ru- eating it up. It, it just, and I appreciated that. Like but it they was were, real. It was real. It was real, and it's something that America needs. It's like that. His life, his mm-hmm. life, his celebration of life. That day, mm-hmm. it goes down in American history. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that it, like, a twenty-five. Mm-hmm. I don't know any anybody mm-hmm. ha- who's had that. Mm-hmm. You know, as a celebration. Oh no, of life. Not, no. not like that, and no. not to have, no. not to have been murdered. To have been murdered, I mean, to to really, I mean, we we celebrated Aretha Franklin, we celebrated Muhammad Ali. They had ample time to prepare for them. They knew, so to speak, what was coming. This was a shock. Like I said, this was because the people wanted to celebrate Nipsey, and they compelled and propelled the the need for such a big, you know, to really prove. No, there's a lot of people that are about to be hurt. I mean, look at all the hood that came out. I'm not even trying to be funny because I had to work and I had to do stuff that day. But the hood came out. The whole hood. The whole hood. hood. When I went, I went the following Sunday, okay, Mm -hmm. which was the first Sunday after he died last week, Sunday. When I tell you people were, were pilgrimaging there, 
I mean, they had they they had to shut shut the street down eventually. I went around one o'clock. By five o'clock, the street was shut down. People were just walking, 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 walking there. At the time, there were still cars in the parking lot. There was still like space, and they had pictures and things set up. Right now, today, there's no space. It's all turned it's into a, a shrine. Whole visual. It's, it's a whole visual. It's all glass yes. and candles. And I think yes. they had a candlelight visual last night. Yeah. So I'm gonna maybe get one more shot tonight. You know, see if I can capture some of the candles, but. It was definitely like a, a reverent moment. People were silent. People were crying. People were just paying their respects and homage and talk. And then seeing friends. Then being like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so sad. Oh, it's good to see you. Reconnection. So being able to reconnect and just, I mean, the outpouring of love was, I, I, I just wish that I could live a life so, so impactful mm-hmm. that people could complete strangers could feel you know the the your loss within even that amount of time you know just completely devastating well i mean definitely just to be there it was an honor um you know respect to the family Mm -hmm. and you know uh you know look out for later individual viruses where we will have our tribute video to nipsey yeah absolutely thanks for joining us we'll be right back If you like SouthOfHollywoodPodcast.com, then advertise with us and reach new audiences. Contact us at sales at SouthOfHollywoodPodcast.com for more information about affordable rates. Welcome back. Hey, so this is The Real Segment, and we're going to be talking about impactful women in the realm of TV and film. So there's been a push, as we know, for more egalitarian opportunities for women within the entertainment industry. And, you know, as women, we just want to, you know, highlight and give, you know, a shout out to great work, you know, not just for, uh, you know, the empowerment of women, but just showing we can be great storytellers, you know. Mm-hmm. We can we can tell some great stories. So, um, you know, who's been doing it for you? Uh, you know, it's there's so many, but you know, when I think about some of the most recent artists who really have been inspiring to me is right now it's like Ava DuVernay and Lena Waithe, like I said, because she's from the Chicago and yeah. I think that's awesome. So, you know, Ava DuVernay, um, started off um, wanting to make fiction films, but realizing how expensive it was, she kind of went into PR and then was doing her own um, like press junkets and things like that. So she started to make her first film, I believe in 2005, um, with just a few thousand dollars and people really liked it and she knew that was the thing for her. So, um, but it was expensive. So she got into documentaries, which I do, I do documentaries. And she made a couple of really um, well-known shorts, um, including one here about um, South Central. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I think we talked about it one time, but um, it was um, she was actually one of the students of um, Ben Carson, who is in um, Lamarck yeah. Park, and yes. he is the yes. director of Chaos. Shout Network. out to Ben. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely a mentor in my life, um, and he went to graduate school with my dad, so they knew each other. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he's been, um, he's definitely like been an educator. He's taught a lot of people that have actually gone on. I think even John Singleton or something like that was one mm-hmm. of his students at one point. 
So yeah, so Ava DuVernay um, went on to create a documentary called This Is Life about the history of LA's hip hop scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and people really like it. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll be definitely eating that up and checking that out. That's, <laughs> yeah, check that's that totally out. That's totally fine. I like gems. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then after that, around 2011, was her first feature film called yeah. um, "I Will Follow," um, and it was critically acclaimed. A lot of people liked it. Um, Roger Ebert actually called it one of the best films I've seen about coming to terms with the death of a loved one. So after that, she was um, pretty well known. She was an official selection of the Pan African Film Fest again yeah. here in LA. Yes, here. Yeah, yes. and um, the Chicago International Film Festival, which is yeah. really world renowned. So amazing. So after that, she returned in the summer of 2011 with um, Middle of Nowhere, which is the one I told you about. In 2011, she actually followed up with her second film called I Will Follow which was um, in Sundance and tons of film festivals and just got a lot of buzz. And that's actually when she became known as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. That's where right. we actually know of Ava DuVernay is from the summer of 2011. So ever since then, she's been making films. Um, she made uh, her first like big budget feature films about Martin Luther King. Um, yeah. And yeah, Selma. Selma, yeah, which you know had a great soundtrack and actually won for the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, most recently, she did A Wrinkle in Time, which is a kid's film. And, you know, it had mixed reviews, but I loved it. I thought it was so touching. I thought it was beautiful and interpretive and artistic. Yeah, very soulful. Very like, soulful, yeah. metaphysical. Yeah. Um, there was just emblems and embedments of black identity, and I just thought it was so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ava's, the work that I have seen with her has is, is been very fun, and, you know, I know that when it comes to writing and then you have to write what you can afford, mm-hmm. uh, you know, experiencing that. And so to go from, you know, documentary and then to to have a, an expansive production like A Wrinkle in Time, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just shows uh, the fulfillment of, of that, you know, of dreams and everything. And she was involved, I believe, of uh, the, um, the Urban World Film Festival. Mm-hmm, as well. Yeah, uh, so her having her hands and having that experience can make for a greater project having insight i mean yeah i think um i also just really love the fact that she does both fiction and documentary and again that she's exploring like youth work as well as like you know adult cinema things whatever you want to call it but um i mean did you ever see the 13th um on netflix her documentary about the 13th amendment it's amazing. No, but I've heard I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, just being able to do both fiction and documentary, I think, is impactful. Um, and again, you know, she's as she's become uh, more successful, not only has she gotten the funding to produce these major projects, but she's also um, reinvested that money and made sure she supported um, independent artists. Um, you know, her TV show um, on OWN. Yeah, Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar. Yes, yeah, I love that. Queen that. Sugar. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. one of their biggest claim to fame is that they have uh, female directors. And every season they bring on uh, so many different, you know, guest female directors. I think yeah. Regina King uh, directed an episode. One. So, yeah, it, yeah. It, it just own. Mm-hmm. It's just like doing its own it platform. Yeah. yeah. Who else have you been into? Um... Right now, I'm also into Lena Waithe, like I said. I'm obsessed with her because she's an actress who, you know, started off as an actress and then 
got into writing as a way to sustain her career and you know um and then ended up basically ended up um working with Aziz Ansari and then getting yeah. cast as his best friend in the series too and then writing the Emmy winning episode uh, about Thanksgiving where fucking Angela Bassett plays her <laughs> queer accepting mother and I just love it it's just such a good episode I literally cried yeah, the first time I, I love Master of None Master of yeah. None is a great show and she was a great friend and that was a great episode it was yeah. really beautiful so I just really love her and then I love that she like shaved her head and <laughs> then started wearing like a super bush dyke like look because she said basically like she felt like her femininity was the last thing she was holding on to like the last like social standard she was holding on to so she's just like fuck it I'm just gonna get rid of that because that's not even who I really am and I just think that we need to see and I'm not trying to be funny but we need to see butch women like we need to see women in all their facets because I'm also really tired of this idea that there's only super femme straight women or super femme you know, queer women, which is a, not a thing, but is still a thing. And then it's like, you know, that or that women who are gay or presenting gay in any sort of facet are just like, that's only for sexuality. Like, it's not, it is personality too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, comfort. It's who, yeah. Convenience. Like, yeah. If someone's in a certain line of work and, you know, nails can get in the way. Yeah, they don't Utility, have to. Right. You and, know? And, and Hollywood yeah. is really good for that, for yeah. making everyone can form and even though it looks really pretty oh these gowns look so pretty but when you look at when you step back what everyone is doing is having to conform to these constructs in order to be in that space so i get it there she's like fuck that i'm not gonna do that anymore yeah i mean can't blame her yeah i like her style and i like her openness you know like i i had forgotten that she was like involved with the shit got black girls say yeah yeah and that was also 2011 yeah Mm -hmm. so um Cool. Shout out to Lena Wave, man. Um, she's also she, a radio player one. Radio yeah. player one. She's in oh, the yeah. movie, and um, and last shout out. And then she's also the producer, director, and like lead writer for The Shy. So she's yes. doing amazing things. <laughs> we just on season two, right? Yeah, right. We just you know you we know chose that trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, well, my, funny, you know, twenty eleven, um, Pariah came out, so. Mm-hmm. That was uh, also a good year for D. Reese, you know, mm-hmm. really coming onto the scene. Uh, very strong directing skills, mm-hmm. consistent directing skills, very forward in being able to convey certain how uh, the effects of certain social constructs can be it, it can be so personal mm-hmm. i think and i and i and that's what I'm noticing uh, with Pariah and you know again with mudbound. Uh, seeing her be a powerhouse, you know, in in such a you know shorter amount of time, uh, I think for her, I think she could be able to direct a lot more films. Mm-hmm. And and I think for, when I think about her, you know the, you know her involvement with Netflix and Mudbound was really you know as we see as we saw with Roma mm-hmm. you know this year but like Mudbound was that one of the biggest first pushes for mm-hmm. Netflix winning in the academy mm-hmm. yeah. um so i i see her proud to be able to write and storytell it's it's definitely recognized 
um, I'm, I'm, I guess I maybe I'm pushing her because I know it takes time, but mm-hmm. I'm like I'm ready for more. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, w- when I see that, uh, when I see her, and and being able to direct the type of cast that she had, like with Mary J. Blige mm-hmm. in Mudbound, I love Mary J. Blige and I like to see her versatile, mm-hmm. but. To, for DVs to put in the work to, you know, have Florence, you know, be conveyed is mm-hmm. such a, like a hardworking, hardworking woman in that period piece. Like that was something I'm like, oh, a Mary J. Blige can perform that. You know, they could have casted any veteran seasoned actress, you know, for that. Um, so I like D. Reese a lot. And uh, also Oprah Winfrey really sets a tone for me because she is the earliest female producer like behind the camera you know powerhouse that I've seen you know growing up and and I think about Beloved and her her portrayal in that and her ability to have that adapted you know into into uh you know that Toni Morrison to visualize that because reading that like everyone I'm pretty sure is required to read that at some point in school oh my god it's so hard to read yeah (laughs) and you you gotta go through you gotta write about you gotta absorb it and then and it's just it's deep and it can be emotional at times um so I think about the color purple she's just amazing and she is a great actress she's just like I truly feel everything. She's 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 not quite a Meryl Streep because she didn't have the years in the game like Meryl Streep, but she's definitely that really versatile, like a reverent mother actress. Like you got to give it to her. Like she's done yeah. some, some compelling work, even if that if that she's also in A Wrinkle in Time playing literally the voice of God. She's amazing. <laughs> it's like that's what Oprah was designed oh, oh, to be. I mean, well, that's that was I I felt like that movie, thank you now mm-hmm. that you mention it. I felt like <laughs> yeah, that movie was just a golden opportunity for people who are who do subscribe to the religion of Oprah to like right. bask in that. Yeah, it's it's like going like, to Disney World for them. Yeah, you know? it yeah. was like well, oh, who would not want to yeah. be a ride if Oprah was like <laughs> the voice of God. Oh my god. Yeah, so, uh, and, and you know, they, they've, it's funny that you bring up, you know, Ava and Oprah's connection because I think that uh, Oprah seeing the potential, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what these women can do, bringing her on, and then I think that process is very important, mm-hmm. you know, um, noting that women can give opportunities to other women, yes. you know, as yes. we expand that and, and, and create really great content and people will love it and eat it up. And it's just like, why, why don't we have more? Mm-hmm. Like when, I, when, you know, we were thinking of, you know, these one thing I realized mm-hmm. is that it took me, it, it did take me a while to think, okay, like what's my favorite stuff? Like men make great shit, you know, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, if after seeing these type of works, it's like, well, what else could we be seeing, or how mm-hmm. could other stories, stories that told, right? Because yeah. I'm like, there are certain things that come to mind. I mean, I say it right now, where I'm like, okay, what if a woman directed that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or just even um, noticing those slight nuances. You know, it's not. It could be the same story, but when a woman tells it, or when certain women tell it, that they're looking at it through a different lens, and that shift even just in the perspective of what we see cinematography, you know, cinematography wise. Um, 
I think of just the perspective of moving up on women or, you know, getting uh, eye level perspectives of women or women just having more dialogue, you know. DB should have got a green book. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't get a start on Green Book again. But yeah, Green Book deserved the sensitivity <laughs> of a black woman. Yes, absolutely. That, yes. Absolutely. Don't get me started. It's been the third episode in a row that I've gone out about Vigo Mortensen being the lead character of a fucking film about African Americans book of travel survival. Absolutely. I just no, I won't let it, it go. I understand it's a good movie. I don't give a fuck. Thanks. Um, but yeah, it makes me think about some of the up and coming artists like Issa Rae, you know, who I really love and I want to give her her props anytime, every time. Um, but you know, she's kind of encouraged Yvonne Orji also, who is getting, you know, more prop, you know, more ability to support and create projects. I think she's just not developing her own project and putting it out um, in a little while. So, you know, being able to see that progression and that leap, um, where Amanda Seals is like full on, you know, having success. So these are women who are like they're stepping into the role of being able to have that because they saw women like Oprah and Lena Waithe and Ava DuVernay you know do it do also it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know so yeah. and Issa Rae don't get me wrong she's been in the game for a minute but I just mean for her to take the, the leap to oh, be yeah. mainstream oh exactly and, and I mean her impact is and just seeing her flowering into more opportunities mm-hmm. you know uh, being able to utilize the medium to go into other endeavors I'm seeing more of that yeah. now for her and and the rise of more independent production companies Mm -hmm. you know viola davis started one with her husband gabrielle union has Mm -hmm. one carrie washington Mm -hmm. has one so it's all of these expansions and just behind the scenes because and you know i love the color purple but you know a lot of uh the criticism yeah not just i i think just in numerical portrayals like we it was a progress of okay let us be seen mm-hmm. you know right. and throughout the throughout the 20th century i'll say mm-hmm. it's uh let us be seen mm-hmm. and now it's like let us create yes you absolutely. know and and so seeing and seeing that shift you know because now you know spielberg my my stick with him is his gripe with netflix <laughs> yeah and well- I don't even understand. We have to talk about that in the next episode because I don't like Stephen. What are you even saying? I, I just if if we were to just listen to whatever Spielberg mm-hmm. were to do, then we wouldn't have we movies wouldn't even have them. like this. And that's exactly it. You know, the stronghold or the old guard. What they're looking at is all oh, these people are just making these stories. But what happens is the stories are becoming just as internationally liked or interested in because people, you know, there. first of all, there are black people all over the world, whether they identify as African-American or as African is another story, but there are people of color all over the world. And African-Americans are some of, in most regards, the most privileged or wealthy of that group. So when you see people like Lena Waithe, Taraji P. Henson, Gabrielle Union, those are, those are films that people in the rest of the world want to consume. They do want to see Gabrielle Union star in a movie because I love Gabrielle Union. Oh my gosh, she's great. Let's watch a movie with her. And, you know, and there aren't enough films like that. So the, the industry keeps being surprised constantly by, oh, somebody likes this film? Or in the case of, you know, in the case of producers and directors, 
you know, they might make stories that are multicultural, multi-diverse, or not just about women, and then it's a big shock because even that got liked, right? Like, even that was a film that people really enjoyed. So, yeah, yeah I think, um, I definitely think that there's a shift in the market, there's a demand for more films by people of color, for more stories about people of color, um, and then our audience, or the, the, the African-American audience, is becoming more aware of its nuances and wants more diverse stories, you know? We're not just going to be satisfied because you got a black character in it. It's just it's just not good enough anymore. No, no. You know, yeah. like you said, we, we wanted to be seen before, so we just wanted to be in your movies, you know? And and if you're a black actor, like, I will never knock you for taking those roles because that's, like, fucking work, you know? But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we just want to make movies about all kinds of things. And that was always my issue. Like, when we, where was our virgin suicides? You know, mm-hmm. like, where was our weird, quirky, like, you know... You know, yeah. just like crazy, you know, films about life coming of age, general stories, you know, where we weren't just dealing with poverty or violence, you know. And, you know, one thing that I think about is just when we create these opportunities, how does that help us with the innovation of filmmaking as a whole? Mm-hmm. Because we see, obviously, the web series you know, uh, I guess pipeline web series, okay, being able to market that, Mm -hmm. you know, go to a network, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, But, you know, what we have now is with cable 2.0, all these different streaming services, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we need these production companies, we need these opportunities because if, you know, if we're gonna keep competing and want, you know, at the end of the day, the Film is commerce. Mm-hmm. Film is commerce. You need to get your film seen. Mm-hmm. So we need production companies to create films and also be able to contribute to, okay, how are we going to make this be seen? Mm-hmm. So uh, now it's w- why we need production push is because we, now we need distribution push. Yeah. We need, we need that's the films out there that right. are being created now. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think um, that's why I say, you know, with the, with the greater demand comes more supply, too. So as people are subscribing, you know, turning on Amazon, and I think that's what's happening. People are turning on Amazon, people are turning on Netflix, and they actually are picking the more diverse shows or the more shows from around the world or the more shows about black people or shows about African people. And over the past four or five years, Netflix has said, hey, we do need to have more of these films. We do need to have more films with leading with black leads because black people watch everything with a black lead in it, you know. Or you know, Indian the Indian community is enjoying watching films from or telenovelas from Mexico, you know. Right. So they're finding out that people across borders and different parts of the world are are actually consuming multicultural and diverse media. And where we have been told all this time, especially in our little American mindset or, you know, American broadcast networks, okay, the white people are the dominant majority and they only want to see other white people. They don't want to see black people, Hispanic people, or shows about gay and lesbian people. So therefore, we can't have them um, because we need to be able to advertise during these shows. That's what we've been told in America. And what the internet and internet, you know, cable 2.0 has showed us is that simply is not true. Um, people will consume what is available. Mm-hmm. And what is available is determined by who's producing it. So if we have more people of diverse backgrounds producing more diverse stories, you are going to have more diverse consumption. That's the reality. So, yeah, we're, we're fighting reality with, again, pseudoscience myth. And <laughs> it's always an uphill battle. But I think that these are definitely some women that have shown us that it is possible that... Um, 
that there that there is success in diverse stories and that diverse stories do look different yes you know and they can convey different things and you know, black women are looking out for more than just themselves, and that is definitely real. Right. And, and just shout out to just all women who are, like, fighting, who are, to to have a voice and create something, except for Tammy Lauren. Tammy. <laughs> well, Had to make that yeah. distinction. Uh, but, you know, even, like, Sarah Silverman, you know, she's, you know, been great, and I know she's using the Netflix route, too, and her show recently got canceled, but uh, being able to see her evolution... Uh, as well as just someone who can take comedy and, and also mm-hmm. take reality and, and mm-hmm. you know, have that interaction um, with it. So doing things her way, you know, so to speak, has been kind of cool. Um, oh, that reminds yeah. me of, like, Alana Glazer and Abby, I can't think of her last name, from um, Broad City, which the show also just went off the air. Yeah, I love show. Broad City. Super film yes. and definitely, you know, they're, they're their own writers and producers in there started off on the web series same thing so you know it's it's great work um and they're jewish you know and they really also bring up that identity and it's good to to see that too because i like diverse stories so power to the woman (laughs) all right and that is our show thank you guys so much for joining us don't forget to follow us online facebook instagram and twitter we're gonna leave you with this visual virus here it's a good virus don't worry Ain't no enticing there. Look at my life, my friend. I got the right to win. I put the grind in there. Even on them nights when them lights was dim. When my hope was low, I found light within. I know it's ups and downs, so every loss I took, I knew to strike again. And I'll be saying a lot. That's a priceless gem. And if we live in a hell, is it alright to sin? I had a goal to chase, a life to live. I try to wash my hands. Put me right back in. I'm just sitting around here, smoking weed with my niggas. I just hope when we gone that they, that they don't forget us. I'm just sitting around here, smoking weed with my niggas. I just hope when we gone that they, that they don't forget us. <laughs> I like white folks, but I don't like you. All the niggas in the hood wanna find you. Surprise, El Chapo ain't tried to snap you. Surprise, the nation of Islam ain't tried to find you. Hop a rally out, and we gon' fuck it up. Home of the ride, the king ride, we don't give a fuck. Black students, ejected from your rally. Well, I'm ready to go right now. Your racist ass did too much.